we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavors to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Testing, testing. Uh, I'm just going to talk for just a second because you know what I forgot to do? I forgot to do a sound check this morning, and that's my fault totally. So I'm so glad that you're here. Thanks for coming on this uh, beautiful summer day. It's cool to have you here. I mean, how long do you think I can keep this up? Like, am, am I that good at this? You can keep playing. You can keep playing. Yeah, keep playing. Yeah, that's, it, was, it was kind of a nice uh, session here. Thank you. I think we got it handled, and uh, now I will pray for us. So, Lord Jesus, thanks. Thanks for being our Lord. Thanks for being um, so good to us. Thanks for being faithful to us as we were just singing. Lord, I pray for those that don't know you. Lord, I pray for those that haven't experienced you but think that they know you. Lord, I pray that you change their hearts this morning. Lord, I pray that they would see your grace and your mercy. And Lord, that you would just speak to us this morning through your word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Many of you know that we planted a church out in Silverton, and uh, it is going quite well. Um, and uh, so quite a few of our folks are, uh, have gone out to Silverton and uh, are serving out there. There are folks that were from, many, most, of, most of them are from Silverton, um, and so uh, just excited about what the Lord is doing there. Um, and so here at Outward Church, we continue to have holes here and there for, uh, for folks to begin to fill in, and so I just would encourage you, like if you're you're like, okay, I think we're going to go here. We're kind of visiting on this July morning, and I think we're going to be here. And so it'd be a great time to get plugged in. It's one of the best ways to meet people. Um, it would serve uh, the body of Christ. It'd be so helpful. So there's holes throughout the various ministries. There's kids ministry, which is always a big deal. And then we have um, you know safety team and greeting and ushering and uh, all of that stuff. So that would be uh, super helpful. And you can just be praying for Silverton as well, praying for uh, that city, praying for uh, the church that we planted there, that the Lord would continue to do great things, that we'd see people come to faith. Uh, last week here, we had a baptism service. Um, it was one of the most amazing baptism services I've been a part of 
um, in, uh, in, in quite a while, not to diminish anyone else's baptism that happened here. So uh, this one, God was really at. That one, I don't know about. Um, so uh, that's always insulting, isn't it? But um, maybe we won't say that. But it was exciting, and it was fun, and I'm sorry I said that. Um, but uh, in any case, uh, just uh, glad that you're here. Uh, I... I, it, I it's, a lot of times I don't figure out what I'm going to say before I step on stage. You might be like, I knew it. Uh, but for some reason, like when I get on stage, I have to, I have to see people. I have to see people, and, I, and, then, and then I feel like the Lord speaks to me. And, 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 I've, and I have different things that I've thought about, and obviously, and I use one of those things. But um, this morning, I, I, I just really want to start this off, not with some kind of grandiose story, not with any type of crazy passion, but just to plead with you. Uh, just, just to plead with you to say that there is nothing more important than what I'm about to talk about. There is no concept in the Christian religion greater than the concept that than I am going to speak to you about this morning. It is the, the hinge that the whole thing works on and if you miss this, you miss the gospel. If you miss this, you miss what it means to have personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So can I just say that and leave it at that? And hopefully you're interested in, in that. And if you're not, well, um, it's on you. <laughs> uh, Martin Luther, the reformer. Sometimes people get confused. It's not Martin Luther King, a uh, different guy, different important guy from history, uh, Martin Luther. He was the uh, former Catholic monk who uh, came out and, and re actually read the Bible for himself and realized, hey, uh, you cannot atone for your own sin through your good works. You cannot pay uh, the church uh, for your indulgences. You cannot um, do that. That is not what the scripture says. And so he wrote his 95 theses and he nailed them to the door of the Wittenberg church. Can't remember. Can't believe I remembered all that just now, but, um, but that's what he did. And what happened was, um, it changed everything that what began was the reformation, um, and really brought us back to what, uh, Christianity actually teaches. The Catholic church had gone way far off during that time. Now, uh, what he was talking about was this doctrine of justification by faith. Um, he talked about a lot of things, but this was definitely one of them that was corrective for the church then. The Apostle Paul is also correcting the church in Galatia uh, through his letter. This is what, I'm re what you were just read to out of was a letter to the city, uh, to the church in the city of Galatia. So Paul was correcting the same problem. And today we also have the same problem uh, where we get misguided. We misunderstand. You might begin by the grace of Jesus, but then you better get your act together. Uh, you better get your act together so that you can have standing in the church and in your family and, and so forth. Um, Martin Luther said this about this doctrine. It is the doctrine of justification by faith. He says, of this doctrine, I'm sorry, John Stott said that, uh, of this doctrine, Martin Luther writes, this is the truth of the gospel. It is also the principal article of all Christian doctrine. 
wherein the knowledge of all godliness consisteth, or consist. I don't know if you got that. Most necessary it is, therefore, that we should know this article well, teach it unto others, and beat it into their heads continually. Uh, Martin Luther was a colorful guy. He wanted you to know. He wants, uh, God wants you to know. Jesus wants you to know. The apostle Paul wants you to know. Uh, this is of primary importance in, uh, as we're talking about uh, the gospel. If you look at it at the beginning with me, it says, we ourselves are Jews by birth. Who is Paul talking about? Paul is talking about himself. He's talking about Peter. He's talking about Barnabas. He's talking to other Jews. And what is he talking to them about? Well, in the previous verses, the apostle Paul had um, approached Peter uh, very strongly because Peter for a while was eating with Gentiles, which was a no-no uh, if you were a Jew uh, pre-Jesus. It was a no-no. You'd be dirty. Uh, you were no longer clean. You shouldn't eat with Gentiles, people who are not Jews. Um, these were some unsavory people on some level. These were people of culture. These were people that just didn't follow any rules. And so uh, the Apostle Paul approached Peter and said, hey, you're not living in line with the gospel. There's, a, there's racism in what you're doing. You're not hanging out with them because they're not the right race. And you're fearing people who are from the church. And so Paul says, the problem here, Peter, is that you don't understand the gospel. And so he begins to explain it to him in this way. And I think it's going to be very helpful for us. He says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Now, what does that mean? It means this. Jews had the covenants, had all the laws, had all of those things. Their mode of life was follow the rules, follow the rules, follow the rules, follow the rules. The Gentiles, on the other hand, were considered sinners by the Jews, uh, not because the Jews weren't necessarily sinners. I mean, they knew they had to make sacrifices for their own sin and so forth, but that would be a category that they were in, that these Gentiles, these people who were not uh, a part of this Old Testament church, if you will, they were Gentile sinners. So he says, we're Jews by birth, we're not Gentile sinners, but we know that a person is not justified by works of the law. Now there's that word, justification. We know that a person is not justified by works of the law. We know that somebody doesn't get right with God. We know that somebody doesn't finally get it all together because they've been following all the rules. The Apostle Paul is saying, Peter, you know this. You know the truth about this, and you've walked away from it. You know the truth about what's happened here. So what is this idea of justification? Justification is this. John Stott says this. Justification is a legal term borrowed from the law courts. It is the exact opposite of condemnation. To condemn is to declare somebody guilty. To justify is to declare him not guilty, innocent, or righteous. In the Bible, it refers to God's act of unmerited favor by which he put a sinner right with himself, not only pardoning or acquitting him, but accepting him and treating him as righteous. Again, that's John Stott, an amazing theologian on this topic. So we're talking about justification by faith. 
Now, let, let's, let's unpack that a little bit. Justification by faith as opposed to what he's talking about here is justification by law-keeping. The Jews took all of the Old Testament laws, all of the clean laws, how to stay clean, all of the ceremonial laws, all of the moral law, the Ten Commandments, all of this stuff. I think it's like 600 laws, uh, something like that. And they basically said, you have to follow all of that, including circumcision. You must be circumcised. So it was Jesus plus something else. So their whole thing was this, that they must keep all of the laws from the Old Testament. They must keep all of those laws. Now, what they also did was this, was that they, they were about works of the law. So this idea of works of the law was fulfilling that law. It was obeying those laws. So the Apostle Paul is going to say here a couple times, he says, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So also we have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Now, why does Paul need to say that? Well, as I said, the Jews were believing that they needed to be circumcised and obey all of these laws in order for God to save them. Today, it is said in a slightly different way, because we are not typically conscious of most of the Old Testament laws as Christians. As Christians, most of the time, we uh, are conscious of probably the Ten Commandments, maybe a handful of other things, something like that. But more often than not, people of today will say things like, uh, uh, you know what, I just try to do more good than bad. I just think if I just do more good than bad, then everything will be fine for me. That is also justification by keeping a law. It's just a law that you, is unto yourself. It is saying, I have a law, I, I have an idea of what society should look like, and I need to do more good than bad, and then God will accept me. That is another way of saying, I'm going to be justified before God because of my good works. So the first one is justification by law keeping. The second one is justification by good works. It, you could also say, uh, I, you know, I just try to help people. I'm pretty nice to people. I you know, help this person, help that person. Um, I do what's right. You know what? What I really want to do is I want to leave the world better than I found it. I, I, I want to make my mark on this world. I want to do good uh, for other people, and that's, that's what I'm going to do. I want to make the world a better place. That's, that's really what I'm about. I'm going to make the, the world a better place, and then everything will be, be great. All of these are efforts to be justified, to justify your existence. You might say, why do I have all this stuff? Why was I raised in America. Why was I, why did I get all these things? Well, it's obvious that I need to give back to other people. I know people who have some serious cash in their life and there's this, uh, this, I think there's this guilt in their life. A lot of times there's a guilt that says, I shouldn't have this. I, I, I should help other people. I can't just keep it all for myself. Ultimately what they're saying is I will be justified if I am philanthropic uh, if I buy into this idea of altruism, of charity, of good character, of good morals, that is justification by good works. You could also try to receive justification by proxy or by proximity. It, it would mean this. It, it would mean I'm close to people who claim to be Christians. I'm close to people, uh, my family, 
Maybe you grew up going to church. Your family went to church. Or at some point, you did go to church. And you, you say, I'm connected to Christ because I, uh, those people have a relationship with God, and so therefore, I have a relationship with God because I was raised in that family. Um, I, I go to such and such a church. Uh, I, go, I go to this church. Our church does a bunch of great things. So it's kind of this mix of I'm with the people that do good things, and I, I like them. They have right doctrine, and so it's justification by proxy. There can also be justification by identity. When I define myself correctly, when I create my perfect personal identity, then I will finally matter. Our world is big into sexual identity, gender identity, whatever the plus means at the end of the LGBTQ, what, what all of those identities uh, included here. My identity in the people that I sleep with, my identity in uh, the people that I hang out with, my identity in whatever it is. It's, it's finding an identity in whatever way possible. It can be heterosexual, it can be homosexual, it can be any of those other things, but it's finding an identity. It is justification. I will justify my life by the things that I do. So hear me on this. The Jews during this time were adding something to Jesus. Today, you may or may not be adding something to Jesus, but every single one of us is looking to justify our existence. Every single one of us is looking to say, I matter, I count, I'm, I am valuable, I have what it takes. All of us, on some level or another, are looking to find our value in something, and we're saying to that thing, justify my existence. It can be to a person, it can be to your marriage, it can be to your finances, it can be to your sexuality, it can be to a, a list of rules that you keep at church um, or that you don't keep out, outside of church. It can be all of those things and you're looking to justify yourself. And I am looking to justify myself. Why is our world so out of control? Our world is so out of control because everybody is looking for their justification. And they're looking for everyone else to say, you must say that I am just. You must say that I am justified. You must affirm my life choices. Republicans as well as Democrats are doing that. It's not just one side, it's both sides. You, you think there's only sinners on one side? The Apostle Paul is calling those folks out when he's saying, hey, I know you grew up in this moral household, but we know, yet we know, he says, that a person is not justified by their moral character. A person is not justified because they disapprove of abortion or homosexuality. A person is not justified because of the list of rules that they keep or who they vote for. A person is not justified. Am I, have I hit a nerve yet? 
I should have by now. Like, you cannot justify yourself. This is why, when it comes to social media, and you begin to exclaim your personal beliefs, and you put down the other side, and you say, uh, they're, terrible, they're terrible people, I hate them, sarcasm, whatever it is, those are the things that I really want to say uh, as well. Uh, that is why, when you say those kinds of things, when you're saying, what you're essentially saying is, I am justified, and all of those bad people are not. I matter. I have kept the law. The Apostle Paul says that is tantamount to the same thing as denying the gospel. He says, he says uh, earlier in the passage, but when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, men and women, that is us as well. Our conduct is oftentimes not in step with the truth of the gospel. Now, what does he say about this? He says this big statement. Let me reread verse 16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but they are justified through faith in Jesus Christ. So also, so we also have believed in Jesus Christ, or into, that word in could mean into. We've believed, like we've entered into Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because, big statement here, by works of the law, no one will be justified. Romans chapter 3, verse 20 says this, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. What's the law for then? If you can't be justified by the law, what is the law for? What, is the, what are all these rules? What's all this rule keeping? Why do I think I should have good character? Why do I think I should give money away since I have so much? Why do I think, you know, I probably shouldn't be sleeping around? Why do I think, you know, whatever? Why is our world trying to say, you know what? Don't feel bad about that. Feel good about that. That's the obvious. Why? It's because there is a law. It says in Romans chapter 2 that when people who don't even have a Christian upbringing, when people who don't have the law of God do things according to the law, they are a law unto themselves. They're proving that they were created by this creator who wrote on their hearts that they should know what right and wrong is, even when they get it wrong sometimes, they should know this. The law does this. The law simply brings about a knowledge and understanding of how wrong I actually am. Of how wrong I actually am. When I was growing up, uh, I had four brothers. I, I'm sorry, I have three brothers. I'm one of four brothers, I should say. And... Uh, I grew up in a Christian home. My dad uh, was a pastor at the time. And I found it so difficult to do what was right. I was told all the things that I should not be doing. I was not allowed to drink alcohol, which I, obviously, that is a good rule. I, I was not allowed to drink alcohol. But not only that, I was, I was not 
like you are not ever supposed to touch alcohol because apparently the Bible says you should not drink. When in reality, what the Bible actually says is don't get drunk. I was told uh, I was not allowed to listen to secular music. I was not allowed to listen to like Def Leppard and, and Poison. And some of you are saying that, that should be a law if it's not. Like, I, I, I'll have you know I went to a Def Leppard concert. I will also have you know I felt like I was deaf when I left that concert. Uh, I cannot tell you. You think it's loud in here? You should go to a Def Leppard concert. They are trying to live out their name. Uh, I was like right opposite of the stage, like the you know, line array speakers are, are right here. And, I, and I'm just like, I could not believe how bad my ears hurt. Um, we have earplugs in the back, by the way, too. But um, my parents found my tapes one time. They took them all away. It was devastating to me. I loved Def Leppard. I loved Poison. Every rose has its thorn, you know, that whole thing. George Michael, they should have taken that tape away from me. That was, that was weird. Uh, but uh, tapes, yeah. If you don't know what a tape is, ask your parents. But, um, um, you know, it's, it's funny. It's like, it's like when I was a kid and, I, and my parents would talk about like an eight track or something like that. What the heck is that? Now I'm the weirdo. Um, man. There just were a lot of rules. There's a lot of rules. And you, you know, the thing about it is that I just wanted to break the rules. Like, if you told me that I couldn't listen to secular music, guess what I was going to do? <laughs> I was listening to secular music every time my parents left the house. I mean, my parents would leave the house, and we popped in Starship. Um, we built this city. You know, no? No? Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> On, on rock and roll. Um, so anyway, um, <laughs> pop in that tape, Beastie Boys. You know what? We did whatever it took to be as bad as we could possibly be, which seems pretty tame today, but we were trying very hard to be as bad as we could. It was like, as soon as you told me I couldn't do it, I was like, I want to do it. I'm sorry. So then we go later on in life, and we get... A, we, we, we come to understand that dad's going to lose his job as a pastor if we don't get our act together. So me and my uh, three brothers have a meeting of the minds, and we get together, and we're like, all right, guys, we got to clean up our act. Dad's going to lose his job if we don't stop drinking and partying and, and, all, of, and all of that stuff. We, we got to stop doing all this stuff, otherwise dad is going to lose his job. And we vocalized something that we had felt for years. Dad's going to lose his job if I don't get my act together. And as I got out of the house, that sentiment of not just that dad's going to lose his job, but I'm going to lose my savior, or I don't have the savior because I can never do what's right. I don't have the Savior because I just keep on sinning. And man, if he's going to let dad go, in some sense, he's going to let me go. If that's what the church does to sinners, uh, to, <laughs> to the parent of sinners, then uh, what, what are they going to do to me? And it gave me a horrible taste about Christ, Christianity, and about the gospel. 
The Apostle Paul, I wish somebody had read this to me and said, Matt, by works of the law, no one will be justified. You cannot justify yourself before God by works of the law. I wish somebody had said, it doesn't matter how bad you are, Matt. It doesn't matter what you do. You cannot gain the Father's love by what you do or what you do not do. You cannot <clears throat> come to a place of God accepting you by just being a good, a good guy. Which leads you to the next thing, which, which is this. I, and I, I hope you listen to me. Paul says, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, if in our process of saying, okay, if God's that gracious, the wheels start turning. If God is that gracious, if I can't out-sin God, like I just, where sin increases, grace increases all the more. It's like, I get more sinful, God just like, I'm just gonna get more gracious. Oh yeah, what about this? Yeah, got grace for that too. Oh yeah, what about this? Got grace for that too. That's what Paul is saying there. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Now, why does that question come up? Why does the question come up that says, okay, if God's that gracious and Jesus saves me and he just allows me to continue to be sinful like this, then uh, isn't Christ then promoting sin? If Jesus saves sinners and they just continue to be sinful, isn't Jesus just kind of promoting sin? Isn't he promoting sin? A false gospel? Isn't he promoting like people just being doing whatever they want? But this is said over and over again. You can look through Romans. Uh, look through Romans. Romans chapter 6, uh, which Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What then shall we say? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Like it's the question that comes up, and what's said over and over and over again is this is that. God is that gracious. You can't out-sin him. You can't be sinful enough that he'd let you go. It doesn't matter uh, what, what has happened in the past. It doesn't matter what's happening currently. It doesn't matter what happens in the future. God's grace covers every bit of that. Well, then I could just keep on doing what I'm doing, and I... And I God's grace covers that. And Martin Lloyd-Jones says, you haven't received the gospel until that has become clear to you. Let me read this to you. It's long. Stick with me. Pay attention. The true preaching of the gospel of salvation by grace alone always leads to the possibility of this charge being brought against it. What's the charge? Well, then why don't I just become more sinful? The technical term for it is antinomianism. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's just to make myself look important and smart. So, There is no better test as to whether a man is really preaching the New Testament gospel of salvation than this. That some people might misunderstand it and misinterpret it to mean that it really amounts to this. And what is this? That because you are saved by grace alone, it does not matter at all what you do. You can go on sinning as much as you like because it will redound all the more to the glory of grace. That is a very good test of gospel preaching. If my preaching and presentation of the gospel salvation does not expose it to that misunderstanding, then it is not the gospel. You have not received the gospel until you come to a place where you just go, but how can he do that? Why? That doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem like anything that I've heard. The gospel is the good news. Everything that you've heard has been the bad news. You will be punished for your sin without the grace of Jesus Christ. Punishment, punishment, punishment. The law is brought in to bring you to a knowledge of your sin when you hear about the gospel, and the gospel is this, that you cannot be too sinful for God to take you. You cannot be too sinful for God to keep you. You cannot be too sinful for God to keep you forever till eternity. It can't happen. That is not within God. God is gracious, and he pours out. He lavishes his grace upon you. So no matter what you came in with today, I could never be forgiven for that. Listen, it's that and more. Do it 10 more times. Don't really do that, but do that 10 more times, 100 times, 1,000 times, a million times. God's grace will not leave you behind. You misunderstand the gospel if you don't get that. It is an amazing, amazing truth. And Paul's detractors, the religious people, the Pharisees, the people who had believed in Jesus plus something else, the people who believed, Matt, in order to be acceptable, you've got to believe in Jesus, plus don't get your dad fired. Believe in Jesus, but if you ever touch alcohol, Believe in Jesus, but don't listen to secular music. Believe in Jesus, but don't struggle with homosexuality. Believe in Jesus, but don't struggle with gender identity. Believe in Jesus, but don't struggle with porn. Believe in Jesus, but don't. But it's Jesus plus something all the time. And Paul says, until you have to see this. His detractors were saying, how can that be? That's not the way it should be. And the truth is, they haven't received the gospel, at least not in its fullness. At least not in its fullness. So he says, he says this, which is confusing. I'm gonna talk about it briefly because I, we need to keep moving. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. And, and, I, and we think, people are split on this. He's talking to Peter, and he's saying, Peter, you tore down the law by preaching the gospel before, and now you're rebuilding the law. You're saying, okay, now you do need to follow the law. 
you're just proving yourself to be a sinner because you tore down the law before and now you're not, so you're a sinner either way, basically. That's what I think he's saying there, and it's confusing. It's not pivotal for the passage. Verse 19, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. What does it mean to die to the law? Well, you have to think about the opposite. What does it mean to live to the law? These Jewish people were living to the law. They were living after the law. They were going for it. They were saying, I have a standard. And remember what I told you earlier. Like, all of us can have this standard. You can do justification by law-keeping. You can do justification by good works. I just try to make the world a better place uh, uh, than when I, I found it. You can do, do justification by proxy. You can do justification by identity. What he's saying here, he's saying, uh, uh, for through the law, I died to the law. I took... I took that and I said, I can never measure up by any reasonable standard. I cannot measure up to God's law, especially. I can't measure up to culture's law. I mean, the, the, the people in culture that are being canceled, the people that are, being, uh, that are losing their jobs, their livelihoods, their, their tenure, whatever it is, they can't even keep the law of people. Paul says... If you live to that law, you're going to die by that law. He says, you, you have to decide. And it's a way of, of essentially saying this. Dying to the law means confessing, I'll never reach that standard. I could never live up to 600 rules and regulations in the Bible. I could never live up to the idea of I'm a perfect child and I'm the perfect child of this preacher, and, uh, and there, I could never live up to that because I was not a perfect child. I could never live up to it. Dying to the law means confessing that I will never reach that standard. It's not your standard, not the world's standard, not culture, not, uh, not the news, not Facebook, not Instagram, not anybody. You cannot reach that stand. You will not fulfill the law in that sense. He says, so that I might live to God. You cannot live to God until you've died to the law. If you live to the law, you die to God. The law brings death. The wages of sin is death. The law comes in to show us our sin. What are the Ten Commandments here for? I don't always serve God only. Uh, I, I uh, go after other, uh, other idols. I have an adulterous mind. I want to uh, kill people. Uh, not really. Uh, but Jesus says if you curse your brother, you've essentially committed murder. If you looked at a woman lustfully, you've essentially committed adultery. If you've wanted something else that someone has, You've essentially taken it. If you live to the law, you're going to die to the law. You're going to die. You will be put to death. So what does it mean to live to God? How do I become justified? So some of you know the drill on some level, but in some ways you've forgotten the drill. You've forgotten the truth of the gospel. All of us forget the gospel routinely. All of us 
The, the Christian life is about applying the gospel over and over and over again in our lives. What does it mean to be a Christian and therefore justified by faith and not justified by works of the law? And a passage, Spurgeon described it as the highest peak, the highest mountain that he was going to circle a bit but not ascend all the way because this is such amazing scripture. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. What does it mean for you to be justified? Jesus descends from heaven. He lives perfectly. He completely fulfills the law in a way that you never could. Jesus went to the cross. And why did he go to the cross? It was for your law breaking. All of the laws that you should have kept, all of the ways that you denied God, all of the ways that you've been unfaithful, all of the ways that you and I have totally screwed it up, all of our messed up desires, all of that stuff. He says, when you look at Jesus, listen up, if you're somebody who doesn't know Jesus, if you don't have relationship with him today, this is what it means to become a Christian. It means to say, I am putting faith in the fact that when Jesus went to the cross, he went to the cross for my sin. It is as though I went to the cross with him. I was on that cross. When you go into baptism, when you're put under the water and brought back up, it is a sign that you have been put to death with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. I have been put to death with him. I, it is as though I was put to death for my sins, but I didn't get put to death. Christ was put to death. It's called substitutionary atonement. It means that Jesus was my substitute. Jesus took my place. Jesus, when he did that, he was doing that for me. That's what was going on there. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. It's not me living anymore. It's Jesus in me. He says, uh, but Christ who lives in me. It's now like, it's no longer just my life. It's, that it's Christ who's in me. Do you see what it says? It's like, I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. Like we are one. There is this glorious union that takes place. How do you become a Christian? What, what do I need to do to become a Christian? It can't begin with do. It has to begin with done. It has to begin with what Christ has done for you on the cross and you taking that on and trusting that Jesus, when you went to that cross, I was crucified with you. I already was put to death for everything that I've done wrong. I, I already received that. He says, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God. Listen, you do not begin relationship with Jesus Christ simply by saying, I believe Jesus existed. I believe that he went to the cross for me. I believe, uh, I believe that. Those are all good things to say, but that it, you don't begin that and then start with going, okay, now I better start keeping the rules. That's not the way that it goes. Paul says, I was crucified with Christ. 
uh, Christ is in me. I'm in him. The life I now live, I'm in Christ. I'm in him. He's in me. And the life I go on to live, I'm not living out of law keeping. I'm living by faith in the Son of God. Your faith doesn't just begin at the beginning of your Christian life. It goes on and on and on. I continually am affirming faith in Christ. I'm continually saying, Lord Jesus, I'm putting faith in you today. I've been trying to justify myself by my works. Why am I so down and depressed right now? It's because I believed that my justification would come from this money that I thought I was going to get, that I should have had, this relationship that should have gone on. He shouldn't have left me. She shouldn't have left me. I believed that my justification was through my acceptance with this group of people. I believed that my justification was being completely fulfilled sexually. I believed that my justification was, no, the life that I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God. I don't live it by getting justification from anything else. It must come from faith in Jesus Christ. And knowing this. Okay, I guess I don't need that. I guess Jesus is my justification. He substituted himself for me. And so I don't have to desire things that I don't have. I don't have to go after things that are harmful to me because that's no longer my justification. Now, listen. Who loved me and gave himself for me. I think it's Martin Luther that says, the law will never give its life for you. The law didn't do anything for you. The law didn't save you. Jesus saved you. He loved me and he gave himself for me. That relationship didn't love you. It didn't give itself for you. Jesus loved you and gave himself for you. That identity doesn't love you, didn't give itself for you. Jesus is the one who loves you and gave himself for you and the only thing that he wants, he wants union with you. He wants to be united with you. He wants you to experience the, the shower of grace that cleanses you from all sin. He wants you to experience his immense love. He wants you to experience that you can never do enough to, to say thank you to him. He wants you to experience his incredible grace, his incredible love that will transform you so that you would never think for a moment well, I could just keep on going on sinning all day long. I guess I'll take that deal. That just proves that you don't really know this God. You don't know his love. He loved you and he gave himself for you. Paul says at the end here, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, and Christ died for no purpose. 
I wonder sometimes if some people avoid our church because they think that we're uh, just right-wing Republican people that would never accept somebody who has some type of an alternate lifestyle. Not because we approve of something that someone is doing. Like, I mean, heck, every single one of us in here has something that each one of us would disapprove of and the law we condemn. But I wonder sometimes if people don't come in here because of that. I think there's a lot that have come in. How are we nullifying the grace of God by just returning to law, returning to law, returning to law? And Jesus is just saying, I just want you to return to my love. I just want you to return to my love. I just want you to return to my love. I just... And so let me just give you something to do here. I don't know what you're trying to cut out of your life right now. I don't know what you're trying to make better. But can I just say this? There's no point in life or history that Jesus loves you more than right this second in the midst of that. You will never overcome that by law keeping. It will only be overcome by just experiencing the grace of Jesus who loved you and gave himself for you. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? You will never overcome it as long as you think, I just need to keep the law. You will not overcome it. You will not grow in Christ until you get to the point where it's just like, it's, he's not going to love me anymore when it stops. He loves me right now. He just wants, he just wants, he wants to hold you. He wants you to be held by his gospel. Man, could, could I go on forever about this? I mean, just can we revel in it for a moment? Can we take a second and just think about it? Like, let's, let's, let's do that over communion. Can we, let's go to communion here. Just, you know the drill, just come forward. We'll have people, I think got a couple people back here. Got a couple folks that will have one right over here and some right there. Come on forward. Right up here. One of you right here, there you go. Oh, you got a couple here. All right, there we go. Oh, thank you. Would you bow your heads with me? The conviction that you're experiencing in whatever area of your life is, you know, sometimes we can, we can have false conviction, things that we feel bad about that we shouldn't own. I'm talking about the stuff that we need to own. I want you to remember right now that the law 
is only here to show your need for the gospel, is to show your need for grace. And so just while you think about your sin, could you, could you think about all the areas where you need Jesus' forgiveness, where his love can shower you? your biggest area of disappointment, your most shameful event or events in your life, the things that have caused you embarrassment, and I just want you to imagine that Jesus is just sitting with you right now. just says I love you so much I went to the cross for that sin I am in you and you are in me I just want you to live by faith I want you to trust me I want you to see that my love is never ending I want you to see that I care about you so immensely. So I just want to invite you this morning to confess that. Confess your sin and just say, Lord Jesus, this is how much I need you. I see it. Lord Jesus, this is how much I've, I've blown it. But I see your grace just never stops. You've justified me already. And I want to receive that. Jesus says, this is my body, which is broken for you, so that you can be in me and I can be in you. Do this in remembrance of me. He says, this is my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, would you transform us by understanding this doctrine of justification by faith and not by works. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen.